0: Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Can we just welcome our fathers to the house today? Thank you if you're watching online today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today we're kicking off a new series called Daddy Issues. Somebody say, Daddy Issues. Come on, find the neighbor, tell them, you got daddy issues. Find a second choice and say, you got daddy issues. Y'all seem hesitant on that one. Y'all like, "Ah, I don't know if I wanna. Welcome to Renovation Church where the pastor tells you you got daddy issues. Um, I wanna do this series uh, because we all have issues. And when we think about daddy issues, we kind of think about like the guy who overcompensates and is constantly having to prove himself. But then we also maybe think about the girl who was promiscuous and maybe looked for love in all the wrong places before she was married. And we kind of sum up their life and people go, what's wrong with them? And you kind of go, ah, daddy issues. How many of you know that if you have daddy issues, you have a daddy who also has daddy issues. And we all got issues. I got issues. You got issues. And if you don't know your issue, guess what? That's your issue. And if that's your issue, it was probably your daddy's issue. And here's why if you're taking notes, write the sermon title down because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The apple does not fall far from the tree. We're not just gonna look at your issues with your earthly dad. Um, We're gonna talk about all of the issues we may deal with and how a lot of times it may have started with your dad or your granddad, but it didn't stop with them. And maybe the things they struggle with, you struggle with We wanna talk around this idea of maybe some generational sin or patterns that some of us are living in and don't even know it. And some of us are insecure and we're looking for love in the wrong places. And we're trying to find a couple things in life and got issues. So I, I I wanna look at this series in particular about how God relates to His Son, Jesus. But before I do, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You as living and active. And God, I just, thank you for what you're doing. Um, God, not just in this church, but through these people and what you wanna do today on Father's Day weekend. God, I thank you for the men in this room. I thank you for the dads, for the granddads, for the soon-to-be dads. I thank you for the families that are here. I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice that would take an hour or so of their time and just tune in and hear from you. And so God, would you just do a deep work inside of us today we love you, and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, "Everybody said, hey, find that other neighbor that looks mad and tell him you got daddy issues. And if you haven't shared the stream yet, I want to encourage you to share the stream. Uh, you have no idea. You have no idea the impact that you can make, so feel free to pull out your phone and share that stream. Again, thank you for those in overflow today. Um, man, we hope that you'll be able to get in the house here, but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, I have two sons, soon to be th- three sons, but my two sons' names are Jet. And Tatum, Jet is two, and Tatum is four. They're about to turn three and five all along where well, we're gonna have our third baby boy named Truett and super excited about that. But uh, how many of you know, man, if you're a parent, there are phases of life where you feel like you're teaching your kids something, and then there are phases of life where you know your kids are teaching you something. Amen. If you're a parent in the house, we just lift your hand, rub them up real high, okay? Keep them up. Now everybody look around. Anybody that got their hand raised desperately needs your prayers, okay? <laughs> desperately needs your prayers. You can put them down, but uh, I was hanging at the house the other day, and uh, Jessica was about to get home from work, and I'm, I'm sitting in the living room, and I'm kind of doing the dad thing, you know, where you're not really watching your kids. You're just listening for your kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and Jet, my, my youngest, just goes crazy. I mean, he screams like he just got shot. I mean, and, and I, can, he, I can even see him in my mind. He would have been back there screaming, just, just shaking, right? And he's yelling. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I go back there, and I'm like, what, what happened? He's like, Tatum pushed me. And I'm like, Tatum, why'd you push him? He said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, he did. He pushed me. He pushed me. He pushed me. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he just rears back and smacks Tatum in the head and goes, butthead. head. And I was like, what in the world? This little demon child? Like, I shut up. i kind of like, you know what I mean? Just like, get, get out, you know? And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I spanked Jet, and Jet's like, ow, you spanked me. I'm like, yeah, because you're acting crazy, you know? And, uh, and then I kind of calm him down, threaten them, you know, an inch short of their life and go in the living room, I heard Jessica home and she walks in she's like, hey, cause I usually like, I'm a loving husband. I wanna come up and give a hug, give a kiss. You know what I'm saying? Cuddle a little bit. Uh, and she's like, hey, just so you know, I'm hot, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. Do not touch me right now. <laughs> she's, she's pregnant, I mean, it's hot in the summer. She's like, don't, just don't touch me. Well, of course, what did I have to do when she told me that? I had to touch her and give her a hug. You know what I'm saying? And she goes, get off of me. And in my head, I thought, butthead? (laughs) Huh. I wonder where Jet got it from. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, It's funny, we're, we're in this phase where my kids are just, I mean, they're doing anything and everything they can to just to copy dad. And and so then a couple days ago, I uh, I experienced them. They were fighting in the back uh, seat and I'm trying to get better about not doing what my dad did to me because I still got daddy issues from this. Remember when you were a kid and you was acting up and your parents were driving with one hand and the other one, they're just going like this. Y'all know what I'm saying? So I'm trying not to do that. Okay. I don't beat my kids, I promise. But uh, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna try something new. Instead of just addressing the issue, I'm gonna to speak to their identity. I'm gonna build them up and see if that works. A little positive reinforcement. So I said, Tatum, I just want you to know, stop fighting with your brother for a second. I want you to know that I love you and I'm so proud of you and I love you because you're my son, and I, and I love you because I, I care about you. I love how smart you are. I love how funny you are. You're such a great big brother. You're going to be an incredible leader. One day you're going to baptize people. He said, like you, dad? I said, like me. That's right. And he's like, okay. Then he goes, do it to Jet too. And I said, okay. And I said, Jetty, I just want you to know, buddy, I love you. You're my son. I'm so proud of you. Chad, I love you because you're aggressive. You know, like I love you because you, you're you going to fight for your family. You're going to be an awesome kid. You know, you're, I love you because you're so kind and you're so thoughtful and, and, and you're so strong. And he goes, amen. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, I think there's something in all of us that we learn in that, right, is that your father will often shape your future. Your father has a way of shaping your identity in the present. And what I wanna do in this series is I actually wanna take a look at God the Father's relationship with Jesus the Son. And I want us to take a look at this and I want us to see how um, their relationship really enabled and empowered Jesus to do all he did, all the miracles he performed and being perfectly obedient to his heavenly father. And what I wanna do is I wanna show you the two times, only two times in all of scripture where God the father speaks directly to Jesus the son. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to the first instance and that is at his baptism. And in Matthew chapter three, we see for the first time God speaking to his son. And here's what it says, starting in verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Now, pause for a second. This is why we believe in the Trinity, by the way, because in this instance, you see the three in one, the Godhead, all present. You have Jesus, the son, in the water. You have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And then it says a voice from heaven. That's God, the father. And he says this, this is my son whom I love and with him. I am well-pleased. I don't know if God sounds like Mephasa to you, and I'm not sure why I did that, But, <laughs> but This is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. He says this at the beginning of his ministry. Gets baptized, hasn't done a miracle yet. This is what God the Father speaks to God the Son. Now, let me show you the second time, three years later, Jesus is in his prime. Jesus has done miracles. He's revealed himself at this point. And the second time that God speaks to his son is on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is where he pulls Peter, James, and John in and where Jesus reveals himself to be perfectly and fully God, and I want you to pay attention to what the father says, could have said anything to him at the end of his ministry. I want you to see what he says in Matthew 17. It says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Sounded familiar, huh? Isn't it interesting that when Jesus was unknown, And when Jesus was well-known, the father spoke the same truth over his life. See, that's important for you to get because a lot of times we think that our acceptance involving God has to do with our performance on earth. And I came to tell somebody that God loves you before you ever perform for him. That before you ever do a thing, God loves you and God sees you, that he doesn't care about your trophies. He doesn't care about your accolades. He don't care about your 401k. He's not worried about you performing for him. He just wants you to be present with him. That he wants a relationship with with you and I. And in both instances, God the Father speaks directly over Jesus the Son, saying, this is my Son, whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. And I believe those words are exactly what every single person needs to hear. That every child and every adult needs to hear those words from their heavenly Father. And what I wanna do in this series is I wanna take a look and break down that verse because I think there are three things that God speaks to that Jesus needed that I think you need too, and so do I. The first thing he says was, you are my son. That's his need for acceptance. Somebody say acceptance. If you're taking notes, write that first thing down. You are my son, you are my child, you need acceptance. Here's the second thing we all desire. He says, in whom I love, what's that about? That's about affection, say affection. And then he says, and with him, I am well pleased. That's about affirmation. affirmation. And that's what every single person needs. Every single one of us needs acceptance. We need affection and we need affirmation. You need to know what God speaks over you, that he is for you and not against you, that you are not the tail, but the head. You are not below, but you are above, that, that God loves you. And he says this, I will be a father to you and you will be my son and my daughter, says the Lord Almighty. So no matter what your earthly father looked like, you have a heavenly father who looks at you and says, I love you, I care about you, and I am pleased with you. And we need, we need that. And so today I really wanna focus in on on that first component that this is my child, that I wanna talk about acceptance today. I wanna talk about what it means for you and for I to be accepted by God. And it's important that we understand it because I think that every single one of our issues in life comes down to the fact that somewhere along the line in your upbringing, you didn't get enough of, it was complete, completely absent, or you still want more of one of those three things. That every dumb decision you've made, every person you slept with, every bottle you've drank, everything you've smoked, all of it really comes down to the fact that somewhere down the line, you and I were looking for acceptance, we were looking for affection, and we were looking to be affirmed. We were looking for approval. Even if you're not a Christian, this is true. And, and, and everybody will tell you the same thing. Humans need three things relationally. We need to be needed, we need to be known, and we need to be loved. What is that? Acceptance, affection, and affirmation. Every single one of us has that desire and it's the thing that you've wanted ever since you were a kid. I mean, I remember as a child playing sports and playing basketball and baseball and football and playing travel ball and having practice every night and tournaments on the weekend. And no matter how good I got at a specific, specific sport, anytime I would do something uh, that was good considered, if I made a shot, if I hit a home run, if I threw a touchdown, whatever I did, do you know what I did the moment we stopped celebrating on the field? I looked at the stands. Why? I wanted to see if dad was watching. And now here I am as a dad and I find my kids doing anything it takes just to hear I'm proud of you. I got home the other day and we had this kiddie pool. Our house looks real redneck. I'm not gonna lie to you, but we have a kiddie pool literally put in our driveway. And um, somebody was having a wedding next door last night. I was like, wow, this is pretty embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I get home and I pull up and Jet, my little two-year-old, runs up to me. I mean, soaking wet. He's like, dad, 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 watch this, watch this. I'm like, all right, buddy. Yeah, let me see it. And he takes off at a dead sprint towards a kiddie pool with a foot and water in it and just dives head first. I'm like, buddy, are you okay? And he's like, did you see it? I was like, yeah, man, that was awesome, you know? And then Tatum, what does he do? Daddy, I can do that too. I said, no, 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 you don't have to. He's like, no, no, watch this, dad, watch this. Runs, jumps, boom, hits his head, rolls over, comes up crying. I'm like, that's what you get right there. Why do they want to do that? The same reason we all did is because they want to hear from dad, I'm proud of you. They want to hear from dad, I... I see you. Don't want to hear from dad, good job. The problem with that is that dads ain't perfect. Parents ain't perfect. And though we desire acceptance, oftentimes what we experience is rejection. Because see, listen, your view of your heavenly father was first shaped by your view of your earthly father. And so, if your dad was absent, you'll think God is absent. If your dad was abusive, you'll think God's abusive. If your dad never affirmed you, God is not going to affirm you. And so here's what I've learned, is that your your view of God and your dad are connected, and they are either a reflection of one another or the opposite of one another, and somewhere in between. And the challenge with the in-between is that your dad ain't perfect. Your dad's got issues. You mean tell you why? Because he's human. You mean tell you why your mom has issues? Because her mom had issues. Why your daddy had issues? Because his daddy had issues. But today, the point isn't to beat up dad. The point is to help you see that Romans 3 teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, if daddy's got issues, I got issues too. And I've made some mistakes. And if you're not careful, here's what we do. When dad's not there, we will look for all of those things in people. You'll look for it in a relationship, you'll look for it at, at home, you'll look for it at work, constantly needing to be approved, constantly searching, searching out affection, constantly needing to be accepted. But here's the problem. Our greatest needs are only met partially in people, but they're met perfectly in God. That's right. And people will always let you down. People will disappoint you. People will reject you. I mean, this week I started writing down all the times I felt rejected and I'm not gonna lie, I felt depression coming on. I just think about the time I leaned in for a kiss and got rejected. Come on, anybody else? Didn't make the school team. Didn't get the job. We've all been rejected in search of being accepted and when there's a gap, we start looking for it and a lot of times what happens is our identity is often shaped by our Father. We have a craving for acceptance, just like my son, who says, do you see me? Do you know me? Do you love me? It's this picture that we have, in our greatest need isn't gonna be met in people. It's gonna be met in, it's gonna be met in God. And so we gotta figure out, before we can really walk in the acceptance of God, to how to confront the issues of the past, because if we never confront the issues, we become the issues. And dads, I'm just here to tell you, let me pause and just say this. I, I'm, I'm so proud of the fact that you're in church, and this is not a knock on dads who are not in church today, but I don't care why you got here, how you got here, your wife drugged you, your mama brought you, for whatever reason, you're here in church, and that's the first step, because dads, you matter. Come on, you can clap your hands for some dads right now. You matter. You matter. Have you seen the statistics on fatherless homes? Have you heard like the impact that dad specifically makes? Like, let me just give you a couple of these because I think that if we're just being honest, when we look at the problems in our lives and we look at the problems in society, we look at the root issue and like we were to really break down all the stuff that makes you mad and pisses you off and frustrates you. The, the, the main problem, the root problem is not corrupted politicians the main problem isn't democrats the main problem isn't republicans the main problem isn't gun control the main problem isn't pride month that's not the main problem the main problem can go down to two words daddy issues and everything you've done and everything you've said and everybody you slept with and everything else all of that comes down to your greatest need to be loved accepted and approved and when you're not and the father is absent the impact is drastic so let's, let's just look at a couple of these because they shocked me. Here's just an overview. It says that children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, be involved in drug and alcohol abuse, drop out of school, suffer from health and emotional problems. Boys are more likely to become involved in crime. Girls are more likely to get pregnant as a teen. And both are more likely to have anxiety, battle with depression, and commit suicide before they're 30. 90% of all homelessness and runaway children are from fatherless homes. of children who have behavior disorders have fatherless homes, 20 times the national average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of everyone in prison comes from a fatherless home. Daughters of single parents without a father are 71% more likely to have children as teenagers, and they are 92% more likely to get divorced themselves. Here's what's the problem. Because that means that there's 18.3 million children in our country that are growing up without a dad. That's one in four. And we ain't even talking about emotionally absence. We're just, we're just talking about the effects of physically not being there. But how many of you know sometimes it's worse when dad's there, but dad's not really there? 18.3 million. Here's the point I'm trying to make that earthly fathers who forsake their earthly children tend to create earthly children who will forsake their heavenly father. Whew, I'm gonna say that again. You might wanna write that one down. It's gonna help you get to heaven one day. <laughs> earthly fathers who neglect or forfeit their right to their earthly children. So earthly fathers who forfeit their earthly children tend to create earthly children who forfeit their heavenly father. Why? Dads matter. And so let me just say this again to the dads in the room. I'm so proud of you because listen, you may not be where you wanna be yet, but thank God you're not who you used to be. And thank God God didn't define you by that issue. And thank God God's gonna give you a new identity. And thank God God still has a plan for your life. And just because you did stuff in the past, your dad may have had issues, but you don't have to become him. Now that, that doesn't mean everybody else has got great dads, because listen, I got, a, I got a great relationship with my dad. It doesn't mean we're off the hook. What it does mean is that there's some things in my own life that I'm still trying to get the approval for. So I go to people and I go to Instagram and I go to Facebook and I go to likes and I go to all this other stuff to just make people see me and love me and care about me and tell me how good my preaching is. If I drew it all back, it would come down to that need of wanting one of those three things. Because your father impacts your future. Dad will shape an identity. And so before we go forward, we got to first go back, address the issue so you don't become the issue. And what you see is there's a lot of people in Scripture that got daddy issues. I mean a lot. The apple don't far fall from the tree. And if we were to go back, and I don't have time to go there, if we were to go back to all the way to Genesis, what do you see? You see Adam having some kind of disconnect with God, doesn't think God really has given him everything. So what does he do? He eats the apple. So the first sin in the Bible is eating the apple. The second sin is homicide. Well, that was funnier in my head, but. Did you get that? The first sin was just eating the apple, but his son, Cain, killed his brother Abel. Homicide, and we live everywhere in between. So let's just fast forward to the father of our faith, Abraham, and I'm gonna skip into Genesis 20 for the people taking notes. I'm not gonna show Genesis chapter 12, but what you'll see is God called this man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah, to leave their country, to go into a foreign land, to the place that God will show him, and he says, and I'm gonna bless you, and nations are gonna be blessed because of you. You will be a blessing. And then last week, if you were here, Pastor Jared referenced this scripture in Genesis chapter 20. He finds himself living in the land of the Philistines in enemy territory, and he goes up to a king named Abimelech, and he essentially knows that his wife is really hot, because why would he have married her if she wasn't hot? So he knows that my wife's hot. When your people see my wife, they're gonna want my wife. And so what does he do? When his people, when Abimelech's people come up and say, hey, I want your wife, he says, and Abraham said of his wife, she's my sister. She ain't my wife. So then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and he took her. Now, he gets revealed to in a dream by God. God says, don't touch her. He's lying to you. That ain't his sister. That's his wife. So he comes up to Abraham. He's like, why would you lie to me? Why would you lie and say that this is your sister when really she's your wife? And, And Abraham, here's what he says. He replied, I thought this is a godless place. They'll want my wife and kill me to get her. And watch, she really is my sister. We both have the same father, but different mothers. How many of you know, that's a different daddy issue right there? (laughs) Like we got the same daddy, but daddy had different wives. And my sister was kind of hot, so I made my sister my wife. I wouldn't recommend that by the way. If anybody's thinking about marrying their half sister, please do not, okay? Or their cousin or second cousin, just keep it out the family, you know what I'm saying? That issue, but see what's interesting about this is, this isn't the first time Abraham did that. If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, same thing happened with Pharaoh, but the first time he didn't get caught. He, Pharaoh realized that that was his wife, but there was no consequences for his actions. So he didn't repent. We know he didn't repent because here he is again in Genesis chapter 20 doing the exact same thing. Because he realized that sometimes I can kind of tell a white lie and not deal with the consequences. But how many of you know a white lie in one generation will turn into a full-blown lie in the next one? And so what happens? Abraham and Sarah have a child named Isaac who God called to sacrifice on the altar and at the last minute stepped in to show him as a picture of Jesus to come and Isaac grows up. Abraham and Isaac have a son, Isaac. Abraham and Sarah have a son, Isaac. Isaac grows up. I just want you to watch how dumb this is. Same city, same king Abimelech, couple chapters later, watch what Isaac does. He goes and he says, when the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she's my sister. So in one generation, Abraham told like a half lie, like I married my sister, but now she's my wife. Now his son is telling a full-blown lie. He didn't marry his sister, which is at least a good step in the right direction. But then he lies, full-blown lie and says, this ain't my wife, this is my sister, So Bimelech's like, what have have you done? Why why are you doing this? Cast him out the land, keep going. Rebekah and Isaac have two boys, twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, literally, his name meant liar. Follow this. So in one generation, it's a white lie. The next generation, it's a full-blown lie. The next generation, the identity of the person is a liar. You see the progression? So now you have Jacob, who who his mama loved, and Esau, who Isaac loved, and the boys are competing, and Jacob specifically don't like Esau because he doesn't have daddy's acceptance. So what does he do? He lies to his brother, gets him to sell his birthright for a bowl of bean stew, and then to cover it up, he kills an animal, puts hair on his arms, and goes to his old dad, Isaac, who can't see, so that when his dad rubs his arm, he'll think it's Esau because Esau meant Harry, and then he'll give him the blessing as well. Why? For his dad's acceptance. Doesn't stop there. Jacob, 12 sons, known as the 12 tribes of Israel, 11th son, favorite son. Maybe because he wasn't the favorite, he decided to have a favorite just for the parents. Bad news. Don't have favorites with your kids. I know you really do. Just don't tell them. Okay. He has a a 11th son named Joseph. Who's his favorite. What does he do to Joseph? He He gives him a Gucci coat full of different colors. All the brothers hate Joseph. What do the brothers do? They throw him in a pit, they kill an animal, they take the coat, they cover it in blood, they go back to Jacob, say, hey, your favorite son, Joseph, an animal attacked him and he's dead. When all the meantime, he wasn't really dead, he was in a pit and then they sold him for slavery. Follow the line. Abraham, white lie, Isaac, full lie. Jacob, a liar, his identity, his sons. Now it's not just one person lied, now you got a tribe of lies. Why? Because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. What am I trying to get you to see? That if it runs in your family, it might be chasing after you. Now, the good news of that story is that Joseph actually breaks the generational curse. And the way he breaks it is now he's finally in charge. And those brothers that did all that stuff to him, he finally had the chance to get back at him, And instead of getting even with them, like they deserve, what does he do instead? He says this in Genesis chapter 50. He said, don't be afraid, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I'm gonna provide for you and your children. So key, how did Joseph break the generational curse? Faithfulness and forgiveness. How did all of a sudden, it it kind of stop with Joseph and his family line? Because when he he, instead of choosing to get even, He went lower and he humbled himself and he chose to forgive the people with daddy issues. What a picture of another man who would later come with an earthly dad named Joseph, who would show up on the earth and make it possible for you and I to not have to live under the same curse of our forefathers. (sighs) You ain't getting it. See, the good news of the gospel is that your daddy's issue don't have to be your issue. The good news of the gospel that it's not you're deemed and you're cursed. I don't believe your family's cursed. I don't believe you're cursed. and let me tell you why. Because what's, what this is what it says next in this scripture is that Christ redeemed those from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Here's what that means. Christ came and Christ canceled the curse and made it possible for you and I to be bought back from the curse and given a new family tree. Come on, is anybody thankful for that? Why don't you give God some praise right now that you're not cursed? So yeah, you may struggle with things that your dad or mom or parent or grandparent struggled with, but you're not under a curse, but now you've got a choice. And if you're not careful, it's not that you're cursed, but you'll fall back into the same pattern of your parents apart from God. Why? Because you'll think I gotta get accepted, I gotta get affirmed, I I need to be shown some affection. And what will you do? When you start getting rejected by people, you'll figure out to do whatever you gotta do to get affirmed by people. But says that Jesus, He redeemed you and I in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's us, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that Christ came. How were you How were you redeemed? Because Christ did for you what you could not do for yourself. And though you were cursed because of a thing called sin, because that was the seed that came down through generation to generation, you were born not accepted by God. You were born separated from God. You were born alienated from God. But because of Christ's love, for you he comes down and dies on the cross and hangs on a tree taking on the curse of humanity and the curse of sin and when he rose from the grave taking the keys to hell death in the grave he rose in victory therefore canceling the curse in your life and so now we don't got to live under a curse and when we get rejected how did Jesus do it how did he stay perfect Because Jesus was rejected. Jesus was spit on. Jesus had people who loved Him turn their back on Him. But yet He stayed obedient, He stayed faithful, and He forgave those with with issues. What did Jesus know that you and I gotta know? It's simple, that we overcome man's rejection by embracing God's acceptance. You're gonna be rejected. And the only way to overcome that rejection is by embracing God's acceptance. So I want you to understand something about God's acceptance, is that God's acceptance for you came at a price. It came at a price. What was the price? God crushing his own son. So grace is free to you, but it wasn't cheap for him. And I need somebody to get a revelation today who have been taught and who have been told and who have believed that you're nothing but a worm, you're no good, that you are trash. You are not trash, you are a treasure in the eyes of God. And let me tell you how I know, because of the price he paid to get you back. Amen. You ain't trash. I need somebody to hear that today, whose dad didn't affirm him, who's got some issues, who's struggling, who's got some trauma from their childhood, that you got a God who loves you, and you got a God who sees you, and you got a God who affirms you. Why, because you're good? No, but because God is good, and when he looks at you, your issue don't gotta be your identity. Now he looks at you, but he sees his son covering you, and now you got a new family tree. And scripture says, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That means your identity don't have to be your issue. Christ, for your acceptance came at a cost. The cost of your acceptance came with a promise. What was the promise? That anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That if you confess your sins, that God is faithful to forgive and wash away all your iniquity, to cast your sin as far as the East is from the West. So that means you and I don't have to sacrifice. You and I don't have to buy our way. We can't earn our way. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus already did it. And he says, when you put your faith in me, you're given a new identity, a new tree, and now you don't have to be under a curse. You can live blessed. You're forgiven. Come on, is anybody thankful they're forgiven for their sin? Past, present, and future? So that promise comes to the fact that you're forgiven. Then that promise comes to the fact that you can actually walk in freedom. That who the sun sets free is free indeed. Some of you are carrying around the shame and you're carrying around the guilt and the mistakes you've had. Listen, Romans 8, 1 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. God didn't come to condemn the world, God came to save the world. And I think it's time that you and I walk in freedom knowing that God sees me, that I'm his child, who he loves and he is well pleased with me. Can I get an amen? Come on, stand to your feet, I'm closing. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you'll live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you received brought about adoption to sonship. And by Him, Jesus, we cry, Abba Father, which means Dad. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So it came at a price and it came with a promise and it came with a new family. And I just wanna speak here for a second because a lot of us, we, we allow other people's issues to cause us to want nothing to do with them. And let me just say this to you. If you're thankful that your identity isn't built on your issues, don't you think it would be a loving thing to do to stop identifying everybody else by theirs? Like what would it look like if we were the family of God? It's not not this thing where I'm better than you, God loves me more than you. No, that person you hate, God loves them just as much as he loved you. That dad you're mad at, guess what? God loves that dad more than you love that dad. That parent that was absent, God loves that parent just way more than you love that parent. The point isn't, let's put the blame on them. It's let's surrender our will to Jesus. And we surrender our will to Jesus. He says he adopts us into a family. And so now it's not just a price he paid or a promise he gives, but now there's a purpose to live by. Somebody say purpose. You you have a purpose. You have a purpose right now. Joseph said that what you meant for evil, God's turning it for good. And so for every parent in the room, for every dad in the room, look at me, you have a purpose. And if you are in Christ, you've been given a new identity and you have the opportunity to build a new family tree and some new family patterns, because you are not under a curse, you are under Christ. So then here's my ploy for you. My ploy is that you would understand that purpose. What is that purpose? It's now that I wanna make sure that my apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Whoo, I missed that one. What, what, What I'm trying to get you to see is that at one point, the apple fell from the tree because of sin, but now because of Christ, my purpose is to make sure that my two boys are raised and that they follow me as I follow Christ that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, that they learn what it means to love Jesus. And they're going after people and they want to love people where they are. Why? Because people are are not the problem. Your in-laws aren't the problem. Your dad isn't the problem. The president's not the problem. The Democrats not the problem. The Republicans not the problem. Your gay neighbor's not the problem. I need you to hear me say that people are not the problem. People are the purpose in why God sets you free to begin with. So now. What would it look like if we just stopped picking on people for their daddy issues and just realize that I got daddy issues of my own, but my heavenly father is greater than my earthly father and he loved me and he called me and he saved me and he cares for me and he'll never stop doing it. So maybe it's time for you and I to look around and we go, man, I know you got some issues, I got some issues, but here's the good news of the gospel that God looks at you and in Christ he says, you are my child who I love and I am well pleased with you. You don't have to perform for me. And Jesus, he doesn't accept the sin, but he loves the sinner. Oh man, what if we did the same? Acceptance isn't about tolerance. Like what if we just learned how to live in the tension? Quit falling into two different categories. What if instead of following one side or the other? What if we just follow Jesus and live like Him? What if we were full of both grace and truth? What if we just learned to love people without accepting the lifestyle? What if we could meet people where they are? Why would we do that? Because God loved you where you were. God loved you. And though you sinned against Him, and though you were broken and messed up and had all kinds of daddy issues, He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And so what if we live like it? And what if we made sure the next generation, because of us, let's make sure they don't fall far from the tree. Let's make sure that we're examples to live after. Let's make sure that when people look at us, they see Jesus. I don't know about you, but dads, I wanna encourage you with something. I don't know how you got here, but God has put something on your life to lead your family. It's why studies will show you that if you will follow after Jesus, there's a 93% probability your entire family will follow him as well. Why? Because the apple don't fall far from the tree. So I just wanna pray and. I do, I wanna pray a couple prayers. The first one is just gonna be over fathers in the room. So will you bow your head and close your eyes and dads, will you just lift your hand? And if you're married to a dad or you have your dad here or you're sitting next to dad, would you just maybe open your eyes for a second, stretch your hands towards the fathers with their hands lifted? Fathers, I wanna speak this word over you. And it's the same word that the heavenly father spoke over his son, Jesus, and that you desperately need to hear that in Christ, You are his son and whom he loves, and he is well pleased with you. He accepts you, he sees you. It's time to stop walking around like he didn't give his life to save you. Let's live for Jesus, men. Let's live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on us. So Father, I thank you for these men with their hands lifted. I thank you for every wife that they're married to. I thank you for every family member that's here, every son or daughter that's under their care, for every friend that's standing around them right now. God, would you cover them and go before them? And it's in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, why don't we just celebrate our dads right now? I know we got some issues, but thank God for it. And Um, If you've been here, I always end every sermon like this. It's not to go through a routine. It's because my job is to just give you an opportunity, not to pressure you, not trying to emotionally manipulate you. It's just to give you an opportunity to surrender your will to God. Because see, Jesus said yes for you, but that doesn't mean everybody else says yes to Jesus. And the way we do that and we get accepted by God is we surrender. Surrender your will today. And so I don't know who needs to make that decision, but the truth is, is that until you have a relationship with God, you're under a curse called sin, and you can't pay for that one. You can't give that one. You can't buy your way, perform your way, can't do it. But thank God for Jesus who redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, to save you. So today I wanna give you the opportunity just to say yes to Jesus and surrender your will. If you will, bow your heads and. You can repeat this with me out loud and say it under your breath in your spirit, God knows your heart. Say today, I surrender my life. I believe that you died for me and you canceled the curse on my life. I'm no longer a slave, I'm a child of God. Forgive me for my sin and help me follow you all the days of my life. If that was your prayer today, I wanna just, I'll give you a moment to acknowledge. Scripture says that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believe in your heart, that He raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. I just wanna give you that opportunity now. So with every head bowed, I close. If that was your prayer today, today you're surrendering your will to God. You're accepting Jesus Christ and the payment He made for you. If you will, just stretch your hands up towards heaven. One, God loves you. Two, you don't have to be the same. Three, just stretch your hands towards heaven. Just wanna lay eyes on you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these hands lifted. I thank you for the men that have their hands lifted right now. I thank you for the women who have their hands lifted right now. God, be faithful and save as you always do. God, I pray as they begin this relationship with you, that they would walk in that new identity. God, that they would have a Heavenly Father worth following so that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, why don't we just celebrate everybody who made that decision today? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.